Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mistakes. Ow. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. I'm on my second day of taking prep. I love that. Um, I've been prep pilled, <laughs> literally. <laughs> Ew, I hate myself. Yeah, um, I don't take prep because I don't have gay sex. <laughs> so, um, I'm happy for you. Yeah, I I'm have happy seeing you. Th- my the... problem is that I have technically heterosexual sex with gay men. So yeah, it's just it's sad that I won't be seeing you or any of our friends in um, God's eternal kingdom. <laughs> But I will think of you fondly while I'm there. Also, to be clear, I know that it's not only gay men who can get and give HIV. Wait, really? (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like, you know, because doctors um, refer to it as like the higher risk demographic. Gay cancer. What? Gay cancer. That's That's what they call it. Or that's what they used to call it. (laughs) <laughs> medically i'm um, yeah i mean my mom's colloquially no i mean like when it, uh, uh, not hiv itself but um aids specifically when like at the height of the aids epidemic they were calling it the gay cancer before like anyone knew what it was including doctors got it got it got it no i mean you know like when you're getting tested and they yeah. ask if you like have sex with men who have sex with men yeah do you know what i'm saying no because i don't get tested yeah shut I do. the fuck up <laughs> I don't get tested because I don't have sex. <laughs> well, good for you. And, uh, well, those of us who are that. cool and um, not an incel because it's not involuntary. It's vol. It's volcel. Yeah, volcel. <laughs> I'm saving myself for. Anyway, the point I'm marriage. trying to make is that um, anyone, everyone, and anyone is technically vulnerable to getting HIV. Yeah, that's why people shouldn't. So have don't sex. have sex, but if you are going to have sex, um, maybe <laughs> if you are going to have sex and you're m- maybe going to sometimes forget to wear a condom or if that condom maybe breaks, um, prep is a good thing for not just gay men to be on is the yeah. point that I was uh, trying to get to. <laughs> not that I forget <laughs> to use condoms. It's just that they never end up on the dick. Yeah, we make balloon animals with them. It's going inside. Yeah, I use condoms. I, yeah, I just, every time I think of asking someone to put on a condom, suddenly they're inside of me. So. (laughs) um, Okay, so you should be on prep. See, this is a great example. I know, I know. This episode sponsored by prep. The fact that I've gotten to, to date, I mean, I'm getting tested on Saturday, so we'll, we'll find out. But so far, the fact that I've gotten one STI in my entire life and I've been having sex since I was 16 and ha- really can count my fingers the amount of – count my hands the amount of times I've used condoms is insane to me. <laughs> but here we are. I 
Yeah. <laughs> Let us know, listeners. Have <laughs> you mean, two avoided a lifetime of STIs? If anything, I just, um, you maybe just outed yourself for like how little ass you get. No, I fuck <laughs> is the thing. It wasn't until I went into my first and only dark room that I got an STI. Mm. Yeah. Which one? It was in Brazil. Oh, I was <laughs> like, what dark, dark room? room? I'm like, I don't know. Um, that's going to be picked up. Gonorrhea. Gonorrhea. I talked about this. I don't know where I gave someone gonorrhea and I didn't tell them. Sorry. <laughs> may that be a lesson to always get tested. Yes. And may that also I was be doing, a lesson. I was to... teaching them. I was teaching them a lesson. Well, like, presumably they never told you either. Yeah, no, they didn't. You know? Like, yeah. Well, they, I was also asymptomatic, so they might have been asymptomatic. And we're both AMAB. Right, but that person presumably eventually got tested. Oh, yeah, you know, maybe. And then didn't tell you. Yeah. yeah or yeah. to this day, they have extreme gonorrhea. <laughs> and they just don't know about it. Extreme advanced asymptomatic gonorrhea. gonorrhea. What is Super the science gonorrhea. behind that? If you have asymptomatic gonorrhea and you never get tested, does like are there long t- like can't you aren't there still long term side effects even if you I'm sure. Are asymptomatic? I'm sure. I mean, I definitely had it for a while because I got it while I was studying abroad and I didn't um, find out until like a month and a half after I got back to New York. Yeah, but a month and a half, I mean, that. I had it longer than a month is... and a half. I've had it for like three months. But you're supposed to get tested like every three months. So presumably three months is an okay amount of time to have an STI. Yeah. I'm talking years. Like if yeah. you have asymptomatic gonorrhea for years. Well, does it stay asymptomatic or does something horrible eventually happen? I don't know. I know we have some nurses that listen. So, uh, right into the pod. I refuse to Google it. Tell us. As somebody who gets regularly tested, it's simply none of my business if long term gonorrhea um, <laughs> has negative effects. Yeah, I mean, I, I know chlamydia makes you mm, sterile eventually. Okay. Yeah, I just I don't believe in STIs, so I don't really care. We're editing that out. <laughs> Nika's in one of her um, purposefully saying controversial things mood. Did you not Sorry. get enough attention it's today? It's a coping mechanism for when I'm stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm stressed out, I just become an edge lord. What are you stressed about? <laughs> oh, just money as always. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Just subscribe that. to our Patreon. <laughs> yeah, subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> so we got that pal all in the woods. Subscribe to both of our OnlyFans. We're both active on Please there again. Please do that. Um... And or just or, Venmo me yeah, directly. Just send us. Don't honestly. Don't even subscribe to my OnlyFans. Just Venmo me directly. That three to five day payout is too long. <laughs> I, don't, I can't wait. I need it now. It's also, I want my money and, and I want it now. And they take like a pretty big percent. Too. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, isn't it twenty percent? Yeah, it's something like, insane like that. It's like having a pimp. Um. <laughs> what an apt. Um. Dis- what an apt parallel to what today's mistake is going to be oh amazing today's best mistake is about a sort of a pimp a madame gorgeous but we'll get that we'll get there later anya's my um, madame <laughs> shut the fuck i wish up. yeah i, I mean, need i need a pimp <laughs> okay well <laughs> i need a madame a consensual one that's like nice to me <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean really what they are at their best is like an agent yeah i need an agent just for life yeah um yeah the the bad pimps give um the the entire business a bad rap when like really you know we don't blame 
bosses as a whole for like the bosses of agricultural farms that have like slave labor on them. You know what I mean? I do. So like justice for pimps, but the good ones. <laughs> Not all pimps. <laughs> oh man whenever we get um canceled they're gonna have a field day with these sound bites (laughs) good then i won't be stressed about money once we get canceled yeah give us that ad revenue (laughs) please (laughs) give us those hate listens oh we were so close to getting canceled by those turfs and they didn't take the bait i know i i like got into an argument with a bunch of homosexual turfs which i do think that um adding the homosexual in front of the turf is an important yeah um <laughs> detail to this story because you really think that it's an lgbtq community until time and time again they prove that it's more like an lg community mm-hmm. and btq can go fuck itself yeah um <laughs> but uh but honestly the BTQs are the only ones I really want to hang out with anyway. Same. Um so y'all have your community, that's fine. But anyway, um some L's and some G's were being turfy in my mentions mm-hmm. and I just kept linking the podcast <laughs> as a reply to them. Hell yeah. We did not get a spike in listenership. Oh. And I really think that they would have, you know, I feel like I was giving them a gift. They were people that seemed like they really thrived off of being angry. And had they just clicked on the link, I think they would have had their fix for the day. I agree. We'll figure it out. It's going to happen for us. Yeah. We did a watch along of She's the Man, um, the Amanda Bynes vehicle that we both um, stand by. And anyone who thinks it's aged poorly is a narc. The She's the Man watch along is going to be our Patreon episode um, in two weeks while we're gone on our little Tennessee road trip. And... um, Our Tennessee mountain home. Um, So subscribe to the Patreon if you want to watch She's the Man with us. So excited to go to Dollywood. Folks, if you happen to be at Dollywood on May 6th. Have fun. Have fun. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, You can say hi to us, but you don't get to like hang out with us the whole time. I'm sorry. Not even our friends hang out with us the whole time at Dollywood. No. We really separated ourselves from the group and just had our own day. We need to go into the museum part this year. Yeah, we did not do um, the like kind of educational parts of Dollywood. I just didn't even know that that was an aspect with all of her costumes and shit. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also the kind of like Appalachian, like, trade area yeah <laughs> okay speaking of appalachian trade i hope we get some but uh, we um, will. <laughs> but what i mean is the skills huh like leather working and shit yeah um yeah it would be cool to actually like look at any of that and not just speed walk through it i agree um we gotta get some more dollywood merch we do um I need another Dollywood fanny pack because I can't find mine anywhere. And I assume that as soon as I buy a new one, the old one will appear. But I can't just count on that. Yeah, no, I need to get one because I didn't last year because I famously didn't have my debit card and they were not taking Apple Pay. Yeah, Dolly, what's up with that? It's crazy to me. Even though they had it, uh, it just wasn't working. (laughs) People who don't take Apple Pay need to get with it. It's 2022. Agree. Agree. Like, I need to... Grow up. 
I need to not need to carry any cards of any kind around anymore. I want everything to just be on my phone. Yeah. Like, including my ID. Same. <laughs> like, and that was their goal, but I don't care. You know, they want us to really be on our phones. Um, oh, I mean... Leftists have problems with Apple Pay, which I think is crazy. Wait, what? I don't know. Just that, like, you know, businesses shouldn't take Apple Pay because it's effectively, you know, in their view, it's trying to get rid of poor people from, you know, accessing spaces. But I'm like, as long as there's always an option to pay without Apple Pay... Yeah, then whatever. Then whatever. It's actually giving poor people more options on how to pay. Because it's those of us who are poor that usually are, like, we only have electronic payment and, like, our cards don't work or whatever. Yeah. You know? It's cuckoo. Just Dollywood, get Apple Pay. (laughs) Uh, If you care at all... Get Apple Pay. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm ready for the chip. I'm ready for the chip. I know that that's what the vaccine was supposed to do, was give us some kind of chip. I'm ready for the chip, too. I want to be able to, like, just literally, you know, Google shit while I'm, like, in the woods, (laughs) just, like, lying on the ground. I want to be able to, you know, like, pull something, like, up. You know, like, when you're, like, in those movies. Yeah. I want to be able to pay for something with my fingerprint. <laughs> yeah, same. I want to be able to record. That's so dystopian. <laughs> I, I want the the eye thing from Black Mirror. Yeah, I, same. My Scorpio moon and rising would have a fucking field day with that feature. I would record and playback shit all the time when I got into fights same. with people. Same. I feel like the, like, you know, that episode, the way it, like, it forces this person to like show that he cheated or whatever or that yeah. she cheated she cheated yeah um oh the scope of reality television <laughs> uh just being an influencer would be so much easier <laughs> i'd become an influencer oh you could get so many different angles of every um disaster yeah well just being nosy would be so much more fun <laughs> All right. The um, sex tapes you could make. Oh, the sex tapes we could make. Whole new meaning to POV. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. We're going to make this. Best Mistakes is going to finally um, get into tech. We're, yeah, we're entering the tech market. We're, we're really inspired by <laughs> we're Girl moving Boss, to Elizabeth Silicon Holmes. Valley, and we're going to, yeah, we're, we actually, this is us announcing that we've already invented this. Yes. <laughs> so, and we're just looking now for um, people to fund this. It's yeah. It's there. Yeah, it's, it exists. We just need investors. And we're trying to make strategic relationships with people. <laughs> And a huge um, part of the contract, if you're going to be our investor, is that we don't ever have to tell you what the technology is or when it's coming. um, But you're going to get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to change the world. It's there. Just take our word for it. Yeah. Investment investment bidding starting at $1 million. This is me talking about money being in my bank account. (laughs) What? This is me talking about money being in my bank account. (laughs) Yeah, it's there. (laughs) Me to my landlord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking. Why's your rent late? I'm looking to make strategic um, relationships with investors to get that to you. <laughs> Thank you so much for your question. Um, keep asking questions. Keep being curious. It's so important. Try what does it do? I don't fucking remember that weird quote that she had painted on the wall. Try not do <laughs> the Yoda quote. Yeah, I forget. Oh, do or do not, there is no try. Yeah, do or do not, there is no try. Anyway. Anyway. Shall we segment? Let's do it. Mistakes, keepsakes, and hot takes. 
I mean, my mistake this week is that I'm just still not done with my taxes, even though tax day has come and gone. So if any accountants listen to this pod and want to just kind of do that for me, um, LMK, just kidding. I think I, I'm in touch with an accountant. We're already in the process of tackling this mistake, but, um, yeah, I'm in my hashtag fearful avoidant era with finances, um, my keepsake is that I am coming out of my hashtag fearful avoidant era and I'm definitely like, you know, we were talking about, um, a few weeks ago when we were talking about how we're trying to like enter our girl boss mm-hmm. doing shit era and like, mm-hmm. Um, one tactic that I learned is the idea of a scary hour every day where you like do the shit that has been stressing you out or that scares you to think about doing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been utilizing the fuck out of scary hour. And my keepsake is that it's been working and I've been like really plowing through um, what was once a very like daunting to do list of things that normally trigger my like deepest anxieties. Yeah. I'm definitely not, you know, fixed. I'm still um an avoidant person. Yeah. But I can feel, you know, like I don't need to I don't need to fix these qualities about myself. Like there's plenty of things that will never quote unquote be fixed, mm-hmm. but like I just am getting better at um like dealing with the hand that I've been dealt as yeah. far as my strengths and weaknesses. I'm learning how to navigate those weaknesses better. So if anyone else that's listening has an issue with avoidance um, and being an avoidant person when things stress you out, I highly recommend trying the scary hour method. We're just one hour a day. You only have to try for an hour to do the shit that is scaring you right now. So that's my keepsake um and my recommendation for anyone that struggles with the same thing my hot take is that i'm done with the description of something that's good being um quote-unquote better than sex (laughs) we need to come up with a different thing that things are better than that's like more impressive than that because like plenty of shit is better better than than sex. sex sex is great but it's like sex is only great when sex is great It's better than coming up on Molly. Yeah, see? Like, I need to be actually impressed. Because sex varies in quality, but there are some experiences in life that are nothing but amazing. And so we need to start using those as the benchmark. Yeah. Like, my example... Better than waking up to um, a text or a call that whatever you have to do that day is canceled and you can go back to sleep. It's better than... Van Lu and ice cream. Ugh, can you even imagine? Can you imagine? It's better than going to Dollywood for the first time. Oh my god. And who I'm who knows? Maybe something that's better than going to Dollywood for the first time is going to Dollywood for the second, second time. time. But we just don't know yet. <laughs> we just don't We'll know. report back. We will. <laughs> we're gonna record while we're there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, actually would be very funny to get sound bites just from our like phones or something. We'll do it. For our Patreon. Um Patreons. For our sweet, sweet patrons. Yeah, just, you know, better than, like, the first day of the year that breaks um, 70 degrees. Yes. Just some things that are universally good no matter what every time. Yeah. Because sex ain't it. 
Yeah. Telling me something is better than sex tells me nothing about what that thing is like. True. I agree with you. <laughs> Your turn. Um, okay. My mistake is that um, I bought something from Doll's Kill this week. <gasps> um, I know. But every time I buy something from Doll's Kill, which is not often, I justify the purchase by telling myself, and this is true, that I am going to wear it until it absolutely falls apart for OnlyFans content. Because I only buy slutty things from Doll's Kill. So, whatever. I needed a last-minute look for our trip. Yeah, I mean, write it off. I will. I needed a last-minute look for our trip. So, I bought it. I'll die on the hill that Doll's Kill, like, supporting Doll's Kill is um, unethical, but it's not more or less unethical than, like, a lot of the other things we support on the daily basis. Totally. And so, you know, I don't. I don't encourage anyone to be like a doll skill number one fan ordering no, every day from them, but know. every once in a while is kind of the same as like. I've bought three things from Doll's Kill in my whole life. Same. Okay, four things because I bought a choker as well. With this. <laughs> I needed a better um, demon look than what I currently have, which is also from from Doll's Kill. <laughs> you do not and I was gonna to buy a wi- I was gonna buy a wig, and then I decided to borrow a wig from a friend. So I was like, well, if I'm not spending that exact amount of money on a wig, then I can buy a different look. This is the most financially irresponsible um, line of thinking. If I'm not buying that thing, I can just buy that thing instead. Whatever. Um, whatever. YOLO. <laughs> YOLO. <laughs> yeah, I was fe- I've been feeling really bad. Um, I always feel bad about how um, financially a mess I am, even though it's like, mm-hmm, most of my friends are. Um, and then one of our friends was telling me how they are putting so much of this trip just, like, on a credit card. And I was like, okay, so, like, we're kind of all in oh, yeah, different no, so, so sinking many, boats. Yeah, so many, <laughs> so many of our friends have revealed to me, like, their own, like, financial... We should have a heart circle about it. <laughs> we actually should. We really should. Yeah, if we all just came clean about, like, how, how bad it how is. Bad it is. <laughs> we would First feel- of all, the ones who are in better shape might be more likely to, like, pick Pass, up the tab yeah, every once in a while seriously. and um and also help us out with their fucking knowledge yeah um but also that this is okay this could honestly be another hot take is that i feel like a huge source of people's financial um like ignorance yeah. and instability is due to how um, finances are supposed, to, like supposedly private. For well, no yeah, it, yeah. Well, that's where like the isolation stems from too. I think because it's really isolating to be to be broke. Even if like you know, even if you're doing everything wrong, you know, I don't really believe in that line of thinking. But if you're someone who does, even if you're doing everything wrong, you know, you're overspending, you're living up out of your means, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you still shouldn't like. You should still be able to talk about where you are financially with people. But we have this attitude that you're not supposed to talk about money with people. And what's so funny, like, in our community specifically, is that it's so anti-shame with all the other areas of life. But, like, I can just see each other. Like, I can see everyone kind of trying to keep up with the Joneses a little bit. And none of us are the Joneses. We're keeping up with, like, a phantom Jones. Yeah. And too ashamed to, like, talk about... um, what that is doing to us yeah. financially. And I, you know, I don't mean to speak for everyone, but just generally. Yeah, no, but there, you know, more more of us are in it together than we, than we realize. I've 
begun to realize because I've just been trying to get more honest about like where I'm at financially. It's like Same. I can always start being honest with yourself. Yeah. It's like I can always pay my bills on time and that's all I care about as long as I can pay my bills, whatever. But like I'm broke all the time right now. That's life. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been humanizing to hear some of our friends talk about how broke they also are. <laughs> um, okay. My keepsake. What is my keepsake? I had a nice conversation with my mom this week about money, just about the way the world is and about kind of my awakening in the last two years in New York to like the evils of capitalism um, and how like exhausting it is to be financially independent. So it's like, what does being financially independent even mean? Because um, I don't even really feel like I am that financially independent. Anyway, um, and that was like a nice conversation because uh, in my early 20s when I was always broke, it's because I just like wasn't working and taking care of myself and like making really irresponsible choices. And so when I would ha- have conversations with my parents about money because they were helping to take care of me. It obviously didn't go well and would turn into fights because they were just, like, frustrated with me. But this was, like, one of the first, like, adult conversations where we've, like, just had, like, an adult-to-adult convo about, like, capitalism sucks, babe, but, like, live your life. Um, You know, I realized in that convo, like, how much I do live my life in the moment, um, which I'm very thankful for because Mm -hmm. not everyone else can say that. Um, That's priceless, baby. (laughs) That is priceless. Um, And my hot take... I mean, honestly, my hot take is also related to that. I was thinking this last night when I left your apartment and I was in McDonald's ordering a large fry and a Sprite. Um, <laughs> the best McDonald's order. Best McDonald's, though they forgot my fucking sauce that I paid eight to nine cents for and I didn't realize until I got home I wanted to fucking kill myself. Yeah. Um, I'm so sorry that happened to you. It's fine. It's like, you know. It's just, That's capitalism, baby. That is capitalism. You're getting fucked over by the man yet again. Yet again by that. One eighty-nine cent sauce packet at a time come on man could have put that 89 cents towards i don't know investments <laughs> in fact fa- i could stocks. have i could have bought bitcoin with that 89 <laughs> cents. like the metaverse is waiting for me no my hot take is that like more people you know more people should be living in the moment right now i think at this point in time i'm not that doomsday in the sense that like i don't believe that like humans or like the world is ending or humans are like gonna die out in a hundred years i honestly think that like humans are probably going to be here for another few thousand years and society is going to continue on and it's just going to be something different but i'm like doomsday in the sense that like i don't believe that shit is going to get any better in our lifetime it's going to get worse i think like we're definitely going to be like looked back in like 500 years in history books as like the people at the end of like the roman empire mm-hmm. you know the ones who were like dying while like the Visigoths like ravaged the cities that like had no resources so it's like and maybe that isn't true but I personally think that it is and so it's like I think that it makes so much more sense to just live in the moment right now rather you know I think that you need to have some foresight you need to plan a little bit for the future because you don't want to end up being like I don't know, 50 or 60 years old and you have like no way to take care of yourself. But I think living in the moment is way more important and not planning super far ahead is actually healthier right now in the world that we're living in because shit is so fucking bleak that Mm -hmm. it's like I would just much rather continue living my life 
by like chasing radical forms of joy, mm-hmm. even if they are indulgent. Um, and I'm not going to like feel bad about that as long as I can continue to take care of myself and like meet up to my like obligations and expectations that people have of me and I have of myself. But like those things in the moment rather than yes. like hypothetical ones in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's also something to be said about that. Like, first of all, the human lifespan is getting longer and longer. So the expectation that we need to have like a complete financial retirement plan ready by 65 isn't really like the case anymore. Yeah. 65 year olds are very much still in the workforce and not like plenty of them are elderly, but a lot of 65 year olds are like middle aged at this point yeah. and like health wise middle aged as well. And like, like happily still working for their living. Yeah. Um, my dad being a good example of someone who's like, you know, He's getting older in that there are, like, obviously just signs of aging, but he's, like, not any less capable of working, nor is he interested in stopping working. And he's in his 60s. And, um, like, he is two, three generations before us. Yeah. So, like, what is possible for, like, I think the timeline of when you need to be, like, ready for and prepared for retirement is changing anyway. And what retirement even means is changing because social security isn't the same as like when we even came up with the concept of retirement. And um, I think a lot financially and politically and like, you know, economically on a um, national scale is going to change dramatically in our lifetime. So like it, For me personally, I don't think that it's stupid for anyone who is preparing at our age for retirement. But for me personally, I find it very I find it very hard to be motivated to do so when it feels so fickle at the moment. Uh, What it is we're even preparing for. Yeah, I just I can't even see like, you know, looking into the future is like black. I can't even see like myself in 10 years, let alone 25 or like 30 or 40. So it's like not that I don't think I'll be here, but I'm like. Life is so uncertain in this world that we're living in right now that it's like, I don't want to focus on that aspect of my life right now. Right. It doesn't, it, it's just, yeah, I want to seek joy. Yeah. That's how I feel, even if it's that stressful said, sometimes. That being said, I do recommend people open a Roth IRA as young as possible. Um, it is a retirement account. And you don't have to contribute that much to it, but everything you contribute to it is not taxed. So it does help you with your taxes. Um, and you can only contribute, six, I think, 6000 per year, which, quote unquote, only. That's a lot for some of us. But it also, it kind of puts a cap on, like, how much you can even expect yourself to contribute to your retirement funds, mm-hmm. um, which I think is kind of helpful because it's sort of, I feel like retirement feels kind of ethereal to some of us and like what how much money are we even supposed to be putting aside for it yada 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 but i do have a roth ira i don't put six thousand a year into it i put a a couple thousand a year into it um i opened it when i was 24 and what everybody says that has a retirement account the universal thing everyone says is that they wish they opened it sooner and so even if all you can afford to put into it right now is a hundred dollars I like really, really recommend anyone who feels the same way we do and it feels a little bit like, ah, fuck it, we'll figure it out eventually. Just like open one of those accounts 
put a couple hundred dollars into it and like eventually you'll be able to put more into it but like yeah it's just a good idea and i'll just say that um and that's coming from someone who is i cannot stress enough completely un like uninterested in like that kind of stuff in general but it is like a pretty basic way to be a little bit more prepared than not prepared at all yeah but like still fully agree with your um just be present hot take yar they're not necessarily mutually exclusive you know but yeah definitely on my mind a lot recently is kind of that exact concept and we've talked a little bit about on this podcast before the idea of like retiring um throughout your life rather than retirement being like a chunk of time at the end of your life Mm -hmm. because we don't know how long us as individuals are going to live we don't know if we're even going to make it to this like hypothetical retirement period we don't know if like let's say these everyone does the right thing has these retirement accounts all of us put all of our money into those retirement accounts and then the system as we know it collapses and that means nothing i mean my mom sent me this thing yesterday that i thought was like you know very to the point of what we're saying it was a series of tweets okay so someone tweeted um at at marcello clore it bothers me when i hear young employees talking about work-life balance at an early stage of their lives work your butt off butt off at the beginning make money save it and then later in life, aim for work-life balance as you will need it with kids and partners, etc. This is my POV. And at Nerd Pile said, believers of this guy's tweet, you should frame this, then look back at it with regret years later after wasting your youth pointlessly grinding on things that didn't matter and missing opportunities to enjoy things that you're now physically unable to so he could get rich off of you. And period. obviously, again, save money, take care of yourself, have a nest egg, everyone needs it. But like the fact of the matter is that the average American, what is it, can't even afford, I think it's a $5,000 emergency right now. So it's yeah. just like, and you know, that extends to the point of the fact that like we all, a lot of us feel very isolated with how broke we are because we feel like we're doing something wrong because capitalism has taught us that like financial hardship is like a personal choice rather than like a systemic issue and also like is literally on purpose most of the time because mm-hmm. it's how they keep people exploited mm-hmm. so it's like go have fun yeah <laughs> period period capital p period also period. in the way that what everyone says is that they wish they started their retirement account earlier another thing everyone says in their older ages is that they wish that they enjoyed being in a useful body while they had yeah. it And, like, that doesn't mean literally, like, your physical abilities, but, like, there is just something about being a young person. You know, they say youth is wasted on the young, but I don't think it's the young that wastes youth. I think it's the way that society treats the young that wastes youth. Like, I think if left to our own devices, we wouldn't be wasting youth. And you and I are kind of proof of that because we've kind of, like, forced ourselves to not waste our youth. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, these are... like. We are actively thought as like like our lifestyle is considered countercultural. I know, you know. So, so like, like it's not that like we it, it's not an easy decision we made to enjoy our youth. No, like everything around us no, has I mean, been telling us not to. Yeah, when it's like an active decision we make. Um, in the same way that saving for retirement is an active decision, I'm like. Yeah, let's think about our future, but, like, let's not waste what we have right now. No, I mean, I'm fully of the belief right now that, like, these are the best years of my my life. And not because I'm young, but just because these are probably, like, the best years 
of like this current century like you know <laughs> yeah, i'm yeah, like yeah. i was thinking this last night in mcdonald's waiting for my large fry and small sprite like <laughs> i was just like again like i tr- you know i want to like imagine a better world and like world build with people and like I-, I i'm not really a doomsday kind of like everything's gonna fucking suck kind of person like i hate those kinds of people because i think that like mutual aid and like you know there are ways to like carry on with life even when shit is like really bleak and bad like it's been it's been horrible before it'll be horrible again but i just like kind of do feel that like these are the best years of everyone's life so i want them to be the best years of my life of of the generations that are currently alive these are the best years that we're gonna get yeah um point being debt is stupid debt is stupid and we're hippies (laughs) i love thinking about how people must look not just like me and you you know me and you but just like our lives like people like us i'm like oh it's so funny that like people who don't live our life like look at us as being like bohemian and like like people call me a bohemian woman a lot and i sometimes think they're joking and then i realize that they're serious and i'm like that's super funny whatever i'll take it no i love it i mean it's like built i would love to be a bohemian woman i mean absolutely i didn't start using a schedule in my calendar until two months ago fully bohemian derogatory (laughs) um sometimes bohemian not derogatory celebratory i mean one of the reasons i really don't want to have kids is so that i never really have to like grow out of my bohemian lifestyle yeah same not that listen you know if anyone is, if anyone's proof that you can be bohemian and have kids, it's like my parents are pretty good examples of that. As well as like I don't know Kesha's mom. Mm. Plenty of people are bohemian and um, raise children. If anyone's proof that you can be bohemian and have kids, it's like my parents are pretty good examples of that. As well as like I don't know Kesha's mom. Mm. Plenty of people are bohemian and. Um, raise children, but it does require getting your shit together, like. To a, an extent that your child's life is not negatively impacted by your free-spirited nature. No, I mean, I barely make enough to, like, I make just enough to pay my bills and then, you know, barely enough to have fun. I could not imagine having to spend that barely enough on another person. I mean, the reality is that if, like... We just wouldn't be living the life that we're living. I know. I mean, yeah, I would period. put a loaded gun in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. No kids, no partner. I'm sore good. Yeah, I don't need to be accountable to anyone else's financial well-being. No. And also, every time I'm, like, romantically interested in somebody, they're also equally bohemian in their finances. Mm. And I'm like, I don't need to be taking that on either. Like, we yeah. don't need we don't need to be Opposite intertwining this. Well, not always, because, I mean, I, it varies who I like. But generally, I'm into, like, finance. I'm into guys like my dad. I'm generally into financially. I mean, I'm into everyone, but I always go for guys. Usually into, like, financially stable, emotionally um, repressed men. Um, so, but that also doesn't work for me, because then it makes me feel bad about myself. Well, that so they I, are so financially same, stable, and I'm And I not. think that that's probably why I'm not even attracted to people like that. Because I'm like, I don't even... Like I rather commiserate over how like stupid hard all of this is than also, feel like, stupid. Card. Yeah, open. Just give me uh, an account that you put an allowance in every week. Wait, I would love that. I don't want a sugar daddy, but like if anyone that listens is like, I think Nika's hot. I'd love to date her. Um, if you you know you li- if you're like in this community and you make money and you want to open me a bank account, put a weekly allowance in it. Hit me up. I'll be your girlfriend. I'll do it.
Even if you're not hot. <laughs> so, uh, sugar daddy. No, I mean, <laughs> if you have a good personality. I've dated not hot guys before. Yeah, but sugar daddies, you're technically like, quote unquote, dating your sugar daddy. No, I don't want a sugar daddy. I want someone that I actually like. Yeah, plenty of people actually like their sugar no, daddy. No, I don't want, I'm saying an actual boyfriend. I don't want a sugar daddy. Mm-hmm. I want a boyfriend to take care of me. I don't want a sugar daddy. Yeah. Okay, so a sugar daddy that she actually likes. Um, <laughs> anyway, what do we think the fuck up of the week is? Definitely this Ezra Miller shit. Ezra Miller is um, non-binary fuck up representation. Yeah, Ezra Miller's just out here terrorizing Hawaii. They've been arrested so many times. Yeah. Is Ezra Miller... Ezra's not, like, Hawaiian, right? No. They're okay. just there. Uh, okay, so that's even more embarrassing. Like, everyone's yeah. been everyone's been pretty clear about that we're not supposed to go to Hawaii if we're not from there. And um, this, like, New Jersey actor yeah. <laughs> is absolutely posted up assaulting people left and right. Oh, yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, um, Ezra Miller has been arrested... Multiple times in the last couple of weeks for, um, like, disorderly con- conduct and second-degree assault. Um, and somebody tweeted that you're more likely to get assaulted by Ezra Miller than you are to get bitten by a shark. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else tweeted, imagine having a nice dinner, then Ezra Miller walks in. I'd be so scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Also, uh, this one, Ezra Miller, every five to six business days. <laughs> Ezra Miller is actually this is apt timing for um the girlies of our friend group deciding that um AMAB non-binary people are canceled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're done with the they he's and we're back with back in are the he they's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ezra Miller is proof that there's not enough nail polish or lingerie in the world that um uh and AMAB mostly male presenting non-binary person can wear that won't um that will undo the internalized toxic masculinity, you know? Yeah. Listener mistakes. All right. This mistake comes from Oliver. Hey besties, I'm writing this email from the train back to Vermont from NYC, the same one I assume Anya took back in the day. I mean, I still take that train sometimes. Um, I know it well, the Ethan Allen Express. Um, anyways, this is a mistake that took place almost three full years ago now. I was in a long-distance relationship with a girl from Europe while I was living in the States. We met while she was an exchange student at my high school. We somehow kept dating, and we made plans to meet in Amsterdam for a week right after Christmas. Okay, Vermont and Amsterdam, are you trying to steal my life? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is suspicious. Oliver, are you stalking me? Um... As soon as I met her in the airport, I realized I was no longer in love with her. Oh, that's a rough realization to have immediately. But we still had a week together in a tiny Airbnb. I was so emotionally distraught, I could not eat. I played it off as jet lag and nerves from being in a new country. But I think by the fourth day, she was tired of us lying in bed watching TV all day together. Uh, we started to have classic lesbian crying arguments. <laughs> I was trying to hint at a breakup and she was not taking it well. Oliver, are you a cancer? You should have just been up front. Um, we previously had never got... We previously had never had any disagreements of any kind. I eventually got it out that I wanted to separate and she immediately ran to the bathroom to vomit. Yikes. 
Later that day, we went to the Anne Frank Museum. Oh, my God. And we stayed friends for a few months after. But I will admit that was that this was mostly because I felt guilty abandoning her. She was still going to follow me to the university I was attending. Um, My mistake was not realizing I did not want to be in a relationship with this person before spending $1,000 on plane tickets and housing and by dragging out the breakup to last a week. I also regret being half-assed friends with her instead of just cutting her off completely. I'm so glad to be out of that relationship and friendship, and I like to think that although she was pissed at me and caught off guard, that she now realizes we are better not together and not talking to each other. Oh <laughs> woof. Oh. Listen, it's not that um, I can't empathize with your experience in general. It's, it's just, just that, that I won't. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just that I am currently very much, um, like, my lived experiences in this moment is um, more of the other person in this situation. Yeah, So I'm a little bit, you know, I'm a little bit on her side. Not that there are sides to be taken here. You're right. You are better off not together. And that's What's her name? I'm going to make t-shirts that say team, whatever her name is. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Team girl in Amsterdam. We don't know. Um, (laughs) But... In any case, I don't judge you for this because I've definitely, definitely been in similar situations. And I've definitely also um, made similarly bad calls throughout those situations that I have learned from. Um, However, just in this moment, I really feel for the other girl. Yikes. (laughs) It's also hilarious that you went to the Anne Frank house. Very John Green of you, you guys. To... I love that. I went to the Anne Frank house stoned out of my mind after smoking a hash uh, <laughs> joint. Um, I thought that I, like, I thought um, I wouldn't be high after waiting in line, but I was stoned. Don't go to the Anne Frank house high. No. It's a bad, bad idea. Definitely don't do that. Yeah. Um, I wrote, um, love you and you would have been a believer. In the guest book. No, I'm just kidding. Could you imagine? What a time to be alive when Justin Bieber did that. <laughs> that was amazing. That really, that had Twitter in a chokehold. Well, for, it, what's funny not Twitter, is Tumblr. that, yes, probably both. But yeah. what's funny about Justin Justin Bieber writing that in the guest book is that um, what it reveals most about him is not so much that he like, thinks that he's so amazing that Anne Frank would have been his fan. It's more what it, what it re- revealed about him is that that is the only way he knew how to relate to teenage girls was them being his fans. Yeah. You know? He was like, oh, I guess she's kind of the same age as my fans. <laughs> I guess she would have been a believer. Anne Frank would have been a bestie. She would have loved this pod. <laughs> Anne Frank would have... <laughs> okay, Anne Frank would have absolutely fucking loved this podcast. Yeah. She would have been a patron. You can quote us on that. (laughs) (laughs) Frank would have been a patron. (laughs) Can we make that the episode title? And Frank would have been a patron. We can. We should make those shirts too. Wait, we should make it with the link right underneath it, or like at Best Mistakes Pod. Wait, yes. Can we put her face on it? Um. Yes, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about it. Okay, yeah, no, Anne Frank definitely <laughs> would have loved this podcast. <laughs> yeah, she would have just had Justin Bieber in this podcast Anne just Frank, on, come on, on repeat. Anyway, Oliver, um, <laughs> thank you for your vulnerability. and um, Don't ever do that again. <laughs> yeah, and you better learn from that mistake. And write in, are you a cancer? I'm curious. <laughs> 
Because that's a very Cancerian thing to drag that out for as long as you did. Um, yeah. Not that I would know from personal experience. Deep dive. Deep dive. This one is um, <laughs> short, but I do feel bad that's about fine. it. Um, <laughs> this is a mistake about how my um, ADD that I may or may not have and my disorganization and also my anxious attachment um, style and then also just kind of all of my anxieties came to a head but um, I like three years ago decided that I was going to sell a bunch of clothes during a manic episode to move to New York because I was I don't know I just thought that you know like selling dresses and pants and shit that would make me probably $300 would then get me to move to New York <laughs> sure in a month because um, that's how that works because I constantly was just treating New York like it was um, Patty Smith's New York and just kids and not the 2000s um, so I had this trans girl who had just come out that was following me on Instagram and on Twitter. And she bought, like, a pair of jeans and a dress and a shirt. Um, begin again at what she bought. So she bought a pair of pants, a dress, and a shirt. And um, I, like... Put it aside and was, like, ready to get it to her. And then I I don't know where I went, but I, like, went on a weekend trip. And basically when I came back, I realized that I had to, like, quickly move out of the apartment that I was in because I couldn't afford it anymore and the first was coming up. So I gave them, like, super last-minute notice that they had to find a new subletter And in the mix of it all, from, like, fleeing one apartment to go move into another with, like, no money in my bank account, I totally, like, I left, like, a bunch of shit in that apartment. And I was so embarrassed because I, like, really liked the people that I was living with. They were, like, they're very cool artists in my hometown. And I was so embarrassed by the fact that I had, like, given them such short notice and that I had moved out in, like, such a hurry and kind of, like, fled that apartment and, like, not really just treated them with, like, the level of maturity that they, that that situation, like, needed. Mm -hmm. Um, That I left a bunch of shit there, including the clothes that I was supposed to sell to this girl. So the girl obviously texted me like a bunch of times or like dm'd me on twitter and instagram just like asking about where the clothes were and she was obviously super excited because she had just come out and was like living in like bumfuck middle of nowhere new hampshire if my memory serves correctly and this was gonna be like her first batch of like girl clothes and i was just i felt so bad that i had like fucked her over like by like forgetting about the clothes and like leaving them in the apartment that i knew i wasn't going to go back to to retrieve because i didn't want to see the people who lived in the apartment that i just never responded to her and she continued following me for a very long time she like never unfollowed me i just she might even still follow me to this day i don't know she never unfollowed me she eventually stopped asking but i just <sighs> I feel feel bad, felt bad. If you listen to this podcast, let me know your Venmo because I don't even remember who this person was. I just remember <laughs> it happening. Um, and I think it was, you know, it was like $40 that 
I charged for this, like, package. Um, and so it's, like, it was money owed, you know, it was it was yeah, money yeah, that she yeah. had to spend. I'm happy that it wasn't, like, $400. Sure, sure, you know? sure, sure. Um, but still, I'm sure that, like, just made her very sad. And then also it's, like, confusing when someone you, like, because she, like, you know, kind of, like, looked up to me as, like, an internet personality. Right. Um, and so... Yeah, I'm sure it was confusing for her. And I think about that every once in a blue moon when I can't sleep. Um, sorry, girl. I'm sorry <laughs> that I did that to you. Sorry, girly. Yeah. Yikes. Wait, so what's the like total amount that you potentially... Like $40. Owe her? <laughs> yeah, $40. Okay, well... Reach out if if this is if this story is about you. Reach out and Best Mistakes Pod will pay you forty dollars out of our. I'll just buy you a dress (laughs) from our um, Patreon funds. (laughs) Um, and I owe you, so to speak. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that deep dive. Um. Thanks for sharing that you are essentially a scammer and a swindler. You're welcome. Gonna charge you with fraud. You should. Listen. Wire fraud. I share this so that if I ever get really, really manic ever again, and I, like, really, really manic, and I decide that I'm gonna, like, launch some, like, new life change that requires people giving me money for it or, like, backing (laughs) me in any way, everyone can just be like, no. Yeah. Um, I'll hold you accountable and be like, hey, Nika, is this a scam? You you know. If it's a scam, you have to tell me. I've scammed people... Too many times. It was like unintentionally. Um, yeah, no, that was like an accidental scam that was just due to your own like anxiety, negligence, like sh- and anxiety. Yeah. Sucks too because those jeans that she wanted were so cute. I mean, to be honest, it's a little bit Elizabeth Holmesy of you. It is. Sounds like you intended. To- <laughs> I wanted to change the world, and uh, I was looking to make strategic relationships with people. <laughs> And this was a strategic relationship that um, unfortunately fell through. my it fell through and um you know there was a lot of bureaucracy and just kind of white men <laughs> that made it hard right. for well, me. Well <laughs> <laughs> much like bureaucracy and white men um and um good intentions or much like bureaucracy and white men getting in the way of um just you know a a grand scheme yeah to simply get rich and not hurt anybody yeah. <laughs> um that's what you were trying to do right just get rich with that for sale i was trying to move to new york it, yeah. was, it, it was the 1970s everybody could have <laughs> 40 dollars in their pocket well that is exactly like the story of the hollywood madame um heidi fleiss mistake Anya it's really fucked up of you to use a fake name for yourself (laughs) (laughs) okay if I'm ever gonna be a madam it's gonna be um in New York City the radical fairy madame (laughs) is that your that's your name (laughs) my my fairy name is the Hollywood (laughs) is it madame or madam like what what, like I think madam it is madam right yeah I just heard a lot of different people like I <laughs> Buffy's, Buffy's just getting telling, comfortable Buffy's in the background. I'm going to go fuck myself right now. <laughs> <laughs>
Buffy's enjoying her life of luxury afforded to her by her um, madam mother. I just love that. Um, sorry not to get off topic, which is that tweet about um, my dog sighing three times when they don't pay bills and are in fact themselves <laughs> a bill. <laughs> yeah, Buffy is a bill. It, she's got a lot of audacity of her sighing at me or groaning at me. I'm like, oh, is it hard getting all of your meals for free? <laughs> is it hard having a completely free ride in this life anyway i honestly don't really know how this relates but we can kind of like circle back to it that's fine um but anyway this is the story of heidi fleiss um or flies or whatever i'm gonna say horrible fleiss. name what what a horrible name <laughs> Okay, so Heidi, otherwise known as the Hollywood Madam, ran an upscale prostitution ring based in Los Angeles, California in the 1990s and was the center of um, a media frenzy in 1994 during her prostitution pandering trial, Um, the likes of which was only rivaled at the time by cases like the O.J. Simpson trial or the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Over time as those cases have, which I find interesting. Um, it's like weird to me that there isn't like a Netflix limited series on her yet. Got but it. maybe I'll be the one to write it. So a little bit of backstory um, before we get into the nitty gritty of um, her uh, arrest and charges and trial. Heidi was born on December 30th, 1965, and her parents were very much 60s hippies, like your classic 60s hippies. She was one of six children born to Paul Fleiss, a popular Los Feliz pediatrician famous for his unconventional medical views. For example, he was a breastfeeding and anti-circumcision advocate. He recommended but did not insist upon childhood vaccinations, and he stated that he could be convinced either way as to whether HIV causes AIDS. Um, So just, you know, your run-of-the-mill hippie doctor. Yes. Probably would have um, hung out with Marianne Williams, you know? Yes. Um, Heidi's mother says she raised the kids with a very 60s mentality. Do what feels good and do your own thing. Do we have a 60s mentality? Yes. <laughs> um, ugh, we would have absolutely crushed it in the 60s. Anyway, pretty early on, Heidi got a taste for the benefits of um, that, the benefits that like youthful feminine beauty could Um, obtain from older rich men so when she was 20 she had a lover named Borny (laughs) she had a lover named Bernie Cornfield and for her 21st birthday he gave her 1 million dollars in cash and a Rolls Royce however she left him because he didn't want to be monogamous with her and she ended up later um, dating a um Hungarian film and television director best known for directing films such as Bad Charleston, Charlie, um, Skinner, and Deadly Hero. Um, his name was Ivan Naj. Um, Ivan in Ivan like ran with a little bit of a seedier crowd. Um, he's the one who introduced her to um, sex work and specifically sex work. Um, 
facilitated by Madams. In 1987, when she was 22, he introduced her to a woman named Madam Alex, and he allegedly sold Heidi to Madam Alex for $450 because that's an amount that um, was owed to him at the time. To this, when he's asked about it, um, he says, do I look like a person who needs $500? So he he denies that he, like, sold Heidi to anyone. He does yeah. not deny that he introduced Heidi to Alex, though. Okay. Um, when talking about meeting Heidi, Madam Alex says um, that she took Heidi on because she was, like, charismatic and came by... Um, Yvonne's recommendation but didn't have a lot of hope in her and she's quoted as saying Heidi's not even a five rating her rating her from one to ten she barely makes it to five but she had a way with men men liked her which is so funny because if you actually see pictures of Heidi at this time when she was 22 she's like a stone cold fox but in a kind of east coast way yeah. <laughs> um, I can I guess I can kind of see how like maybe for the Beverly Hills Standards, she was like a little bit more um, like alternative or edgy. Yeah. Um, so she worked under Madame Alex for 18 months to learn the aspects of to learn all the aspects of the o- occupation, but with the intention of becoming a madam herself. She never intended on staying a call girl. It affects the story later on to know that like Madame Alex and Heidi, while they had like a they were involved in like business together and they were very like um, intensely, they had a very intense friendship at one point. There wasn't like a lot of loyalty there. Um, So by 1990, Fleiss severed her links with Madam Alex and began her own business. And um, it's assumed slash I think claimed by Alex herself that she sort of usurped some of Alex's clientele. Um, So with a knack for recruiting high-end talent, Heidi, um, by 1991, had amassed a stable of 500 girls. And the look of her call girls um, was known for, like, a very clean-cut and perfect look, like she was born in Beverly Hills. Um, She charged clients about $1,500 a night, which would be the equivalent of $2,800 today. Um, And clients would tip on top of that, sometimes as much as $1 million. Her cut was 40% of all of it. She stated that she made her first million dollars after only four months in the business. As a madam, um, her slowest night, she made $10,000. In her heyday, she serviced celebrities and Hollywood heavy hitters, including Charlie Sheen, But she was known for her discretion, and she never once spoke about her prominent clientele. She had a famous black book that, um, like, is was stolen from her, and the contents of it have been leaked in various like alleged forms, but has never been confirmed. Um, And it contained the names of her famous clients, and um, was not actually a black book. It was actually a twenty-eight page red Gucci planner. Charlie Sheen is the only client we know about because um, when she was apprehended, she had a check from him. So he was subpoenaed for her trial Um, and he, you know, went on the stand and talked about um, his experience under oath. So 
he's the only reason we know about this one high end client is circumstantial. She never ratted anyone out personally. Um, So her downfall came on June 9th, 1993, when she was arrested and charged with five counts of pandering and pandering is kind of just like the word for solicitation on like the quote unquote pimp side of things. Um, Federal federal charges were filed in 1994, and Fleiss posted a, um, one million dollar bail. Um, the case went to trial, where Charlie Ch- Charlie Sheen testified he'd spent fifty three thousand dollars a year on um, Fleiss's services, and a jury convicted her on three counts for which she received a three year sentence. That conviction was overturned in 1996. But a federal tax evasion case the next year led to a 20-month stint in prison in Dublin, California. She was released to a halfway house um, in 1998 and ordered to perform 370 hours of community service. Um, So during her trial, she became the center of media attention. The world's fascination was at least partially fueled by her irreverent candor. One of her quotes during that case was, um, if you're going to run an illegal business, you better be driving the best car, living the living in the biggest house, fucking the best looking people and spending every dollar you make, because sooner or later you're going to get caught. Hell yeah. (laughs) Kind of iconic of her. Um, It's kind of like her case, obviously not in um, the like case itself, but in the media attention, it kind of reminds me of Amanda Knox, where there are like plenty of pandering charges um like and pandering trials all the time the same way that there's plenty of murder trials all the time but when it's with a like beautiful woman that is easy to like scandalize and like pick apart her like you know salacious lifestyle Mm -hmm. that's when like the media becomes obsessed with it so like you know she's certainly not the only high-end hollywood like quote-unquote pimp to get caught, but she was definitely one of the, like, the reason that she was so interesting is because she was, like, young and beautiful and, like, seemingly not sorry for what she did. Yeah. Um, the one thing she was never candid about was her clients. She didn't talk after the LAPD busted her, nor at her trial, um, and never since. It was just something that seemed very private and personal that no that was no one else's business, she said. It's just how I feel about it today and I always felt. I was offered a lot of money to sell that black book and there were times when I really needed that money, but it was never something I would do. In 1995, um, as she was out on bail and awaiting sentencing in her criminal case, British documentarian Nick Broomfield um, probed the circumstances of her downfall in his film Heidi Fleiss Hollywood Madam which I watched it's free on YouTube if anyone else wants to watch it it's a pretty good documentary Um, he found it was the result of her naivete Um, first she'd usurped the clients of a long established Hollywood predecessor Madam Alex while working in tandem with a wily boyfriend and late B-movie director, Yvonne Naj. Then she decided to go solo, antagonizing Naj, who took revenge by asking sex workers loyal to him to snitch on her to law enforcement. And unlike um, Madame Alex, Heidi didn't have um, any kind of deal with the LAPD. Madame Alex has 
long known how to protect herself in this business. And she's been a like veteran informant to the LAPD, which has kind of kept her from ever coming under fire when they do busts. Mm-hmm. Um, the other players like Madam Alex were all working with the LAPD, giving lists of their clients on the, on a weekly basis. Um, but Heidi wouldn't play the game. She broke all the rules. She kind of did it for fun, which is why she was so successful, but it's also what led to her downfall. Um, so let's talk about how she got caught and how her relationships with Madam Alex and um, Yvonne Naj, her her at one point lover and later, later um, like nemesis, um, how those relationships are ultimately what culminated in her um, downfall. So one thing to know is that Madame Alex and Yvonne Naj hate each other. And they're also the two people that she was closest to in this business. And they're like the whole reason that she even knew Madame Alex is through Yvonne. So that's all like the three of them are very intertangled, but there's a lot of animosity among them. Madame Alex claims that Yvonne used to beat Heidi up um, Yvonne claims that Madame Alex is a drug drug addict and one of the most horrible human beings he's ever met in his life. She gets pleasure from making other people uncomfortable. So maybe neither is true. Maybe both is true. Maybe one is true and the other is not. But either way, they make some pretty big accusations of each other's like character. Yeah. Um, Heidi says that Yvonne and Ma- Madame Alex are extremely similar people and love to romanticize each other's flaws. But the truth is that they make up lies about each other due to their tremendous hatred for each other and that she just got stuck in the middle of it. Um, Heidi's friend Lahore Reed, which is such a funny name for a sex worker, um, <laughs> claims that Yvonne brought Heidi down and it was a toxic relationship. Heidi claimed to hate him, but repeatedly reignited her romance with him. Um, Yvonne says he always wanted to marry Heidi and have tr- children with her. But he says that the reason they never did is that she was a drug addict and her motivations were only to get more drugs. And this is something that she admits to as well, is that a lot of her motivation in this business was um, her substance abuse and that she was, quote unquote, a snobby drug addict. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this was to support her, like, expensive taste in drugs. Um, Me. (laughs) um, When asked why Heidi became a madam in the first place, her mother says she feels that Heidi was led into it and um, manipulated by Yvonne and she was just naive Um, She's quoted as saying she wanted to try her wings pretty early and she met some people that took all of her potential and gave it a sharp turn to the left. And she names Yvonne specifically as one of those people that's responsible for it. But it's heavily implied that she's also talking about um, Madame Alex. Um, So. uh, Madame Alex thinks that Yvonne turned Heidi in. Um, her theory is that he demanded her to go see him one day and she didn't because she was busy and she was high. So she just didn't go. And he said, if you don't come here right now, I'm going to call the feds and, and turn you in. And he did. Um, and Madam Alex says that he's a snitch for the FBI. And that's why the cops didn't touch him, even though he was also in this business with her. Um, 
Six weeks after Heidi was arrested for pandering, Yvonne was also arrested for drugs and pandering, but he was never charged or prosecuted, and neither were any of Heidi's clients. Um, Heidi's attorneys accused investigators of entrapment. So that documentarian, um, Broomfield, learned from Yvonne that after the trial, Heidi was still in communication with Yvonne, even visiting his apartment. Um, A quarter century later... She'd maintained a similar ongoing rapport with the man she said had betrayed her, even in the midst of threatening to go public about him. He offered the theory, um, Broomfield, the documentarian, offers the theory that her choices in people are self-sabotaging and she's her own worst enemy for that reason. So even after this man ruined her life, she was like still romantically entangled with this um, like manipulative dude that like got her in this business and then also snitched on her for being in the business. Um, so where this leaves us now, now that she's, you know, she's not the center of attention in the media anymore. She's done her time. She's like back in society and barely like talked about really anymore. Um, so like for income, she has several different hustles. Every so often, a reality TV show like Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew will ask her to appear for a fee. And she's quoted as saying, I'm like, great, $500,000 for being a drug addict. This is phenomenal. <laughs> um, a few years ago, she invested $1 million, uh, $1 million inheritance from her father into Bitcoin, Bitcoin intending to use it to support herself and her birds. And we'll get to her <laughs> birds in a second. Um, in February 2019, she filed a $4 million lawsuit against a former friend alleging cryptocurrency theft. And she now makes the majority of her living flipping Airstream travel trailers on eBay. Um, so in 2005, she moved to... Um, uh oh my god how do you pronounce this place again hold on i literally looked it up because of Pahrump, Pahrump, nevada um yeah so in 2005 she moved to Pahrump, nevada um to open a much publicized quote-unquote stud farm for will- women willing to pay for sex but the neighbors objected and it never got off the ground so while she was just now in this town in Nevada, um, she became aware of a bedridden elderly next-door neighbor, Marianne, who herself was a prostitute at one point um, and and a former madam, kept um, and, and she kept a caged aviary of dozens of parrots in a single wide trailer. Heidi fell in love with one of the birds named Dalton. She says, I just connected. It really bothered me that he'd been sitting there in that cage for 15, 20 years. Um, And she says that she kind of related having been in prison herself. So she like got this affinity to help these birds, these caged birds. Um, Also, by the way, I keep using the word like prostitute and prostitution because that is how these sources that I used refer to it. Um, I obviously prefer referring to it as like sex work. Yeah. Um, but a lot of these are just like direct quotes and also like how it's legally referred to. Um, so sorry about that. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Anyway, um, so when her neighbor Marianne died, Heidi took possession of Dalton the bird and a few other birds and sought to place the others in a sanctuary. 
But when she um, went to look for sanctuaries to put the birds in, she says, I found that there really weren't any that were truly what you think of when you think of a sanctuary. It would be a lady with an apartment in San Bernardino with a second bedroom and a 501c3 nonprofit registration, (laughs) she explained. So she decided to build and operate a sanctuary of her own. Um, She says, I thought running 500 girls was hard. That was nothing. Um, So she now manages about 40 parrots in her indoor-outdoor sanctuary. None of the sanctuary um, is caged. Instead, the parrots live beneath an intricate um, lattice work of netting, and they come and go as they please. She says, everything in my life, even my fuck ups, and there's been a ton of them, everything worked out right because it led to exactly where I am right now. Most people would think I'm a kook because my heart goes out to the captive macaws. I think every day in prison was important because it made me realize how awful it would be if someone forced you to live your entire life inside a box. That's what happened to these captive macaws. It's not a popular subject matter. They need someone who's a little bit kooky like me to stand up for them. Um... So it's possible to view her her story as a cautionary tale of just another example of Hollywood's um, propensity of like and like patriarchal tradition of using women and then discarding them when they've lost their usefulness. Um, You know, like Heidi was kind of the face of what was on it, like obviously a crime that was committed. Um collectively by thousands of people and the other people involved are male powerful male clients and um so she was kind of like the um sacrificial lamb to for for like the lapd to be like wow we really cracked down hard on human trafficking Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the business is never going anywhere. Yep. Like her going behind bars didn't stop her clients from still um, being clients of sex workers. Yep. And it should be noted that like she and her call girls and her clients were all willing participants. Um, and it wasn't like, you know, a um, non-consensual mm-hmm. like sex trafficking ring. So even in her being the one to, like, fall on that sword for everyone, technically, nobody did anything morally wrong in this situation. Um, So it's easy to just kind of see her as, like, another example of, like, a woman taking the fall for and being villainized for something that was not alone her fault or even wrong. Um, But she kind of insists that she wants no part of a redemption narrative. She rejects the wave of sympathetic reconsiderations that have allowed fellow 90s era um, national villainesses such as Monica or Tanya, um, uh, like a newly burnished platform as empowerful or empowered female icons. she says, I'm not that likable. If you accept that, everything is so much easier. If you care what people think, you're their prisoner. So she doesn't care if she's redeemed in the eyes of the public, yeah. which I kind of think is iconic. Um, she also is a open um, criticizer of the Me Too movement. Um, 
mood. <laughs> she she's skeptical of it and wants no part in it. In regards to H- Harvey Weinstein, when she was asked about it, she said, look, every girl has been sexually taken advantage of. I think he's disgusting and a pig. He handled this thing terribly. But some of it doesn't make sense to me, especially when they say, oh, it happened six times. That's weird. I think in certain instances, women slept with him in exchange for a part and he kept his end and and he kept his end of the bargain or didn't keep his end of the bargain. Um, which I find interesting. Like, you know, I don't personally have any comment on that, but she was in the same, like she was working with Hollywood execs in transactional Mm -hmm. sexual relationships. So I think she has kind of a different insight on like what transactional sex in Hollywood looks like. Yeah. And I don't think that nece- that necessarily means anything about Harvey Weinstein specifically. Totally. And it also doesn't mean that um, what he did isn't sexual assault, even if at the time it was consensual. Like, even if these women did think that he was going to give them a part or something in exchange for a sexual favor, if he doesn't, like, if he doesn't keep up his side of that deal, that is sexual assault, you know? Yeah, like, I agree. If your consent is contingent on... Um, certain certain conditions and those conditions aren't met that is still assault so it doesn't mean that he didn't assault these people even if this theory of hers is correct yeah um she's definitely gotten a lot of flack for saying that but like i don't think that what she meant like you know she like even acknowledges that she thinks he is terrible and that like she doesn't deny that these women probably have been um, taken advantage of. She just has a little bit of a different perspective on what the parameters of being taken advantage of might may have looked like. Yeah. Um, and when people accuse Heidi of glamorizing prostitution when she talks about her life, she says, is any job truly glamorous? Work is work and it's grueling. Yep. Um, when looking back on everything, she says, it was a lot of fun. Of course, looking back, you see how stupid you were. It's easier to look at all your it's easier to look at all your mistakes. But I definitely say if you're going to live in L.A., I don't see how anyone could have done it better than I did. You want to go out every you want to go out to every nightclub. You want to meet famous people, have sex with different people, eat at the best places, all that kind of stuff. And I don't see how it could have been any more fun. That's for sure. Um, so my sources were the documentary Heidi Fleiss, Hollywood Madam, directed by Nick Broomfield, um, and the articles, um, by the Hollywood Reporter titled Heidi Fleiss is finally ready to rat out a client, but why by Gary Baum. And that is a misleading title. She never actually ends up ratting out that client, but she went through a, um, brief, moment of considering ratting someone out but still held true to not ratting them out because and the reason she wanted to rat them out is because they promised her a donation to her bird sanctuary (laughs) and they didn't they didn't end up donating it okay me (laughs) you with rats yes i'm with her rat sanctuary um and then the hollywood reporter article heidi fleiss reflects on 25th anniversary of her arrest by self by seth Abramovich, and then the um, mm. Vanity Fair article, Heidi Does Hollywood by Lynn Hirschberg. Gorgeous. So, yeah, that is the story of the Hollywood madam. Amazing. Um, I'm obsessed with her, and I'm obsessed with her perspective on Heidi, everything. Heidi, come on the pod. 
<laughs> she definitely has a little bit of like internalized chauvinism, I think. Like there's definitely moment like she has the Howard Stern interview that I listened to part of and like it's not like I agree with all of her perspectives or um you know, align with her life philosophies. Um, but I do really like um that throughout everything she's held a certain amount of integrity and a lack of um feeling like she needs to apologize for anything and um i like that she has taken the consequences of her experiences um to like help a otherwise overlooked um population of animals that like need help I think that that's just very, um, you know, old lady in a novel of her to have that life story and for it to culminate in her, like, taking care of 40 fucking parrots. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Moral of the story. To me, the moral of the story is about, um, it's much more about... Um, having a better read on people's character and their, and what their best interest is. Like, I think her mistakes were in who she trusted and who she, um, you know, got into business with and also into relationships with, but it's also, you know, if you're going to get into a business that is illegal and has such potential for, long-term consequences, you should probably not fuck over the person who taught you the ropes. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm not saying respect how this, like, business is ran if how the business is ran is, like, inherently exploiting people or something. But, like, you know, respect not stealing another person's customer base. Totally. Um, And maybe don't keep running back to that toxic boy. That's the real moral of the story. (laughs) Yes. Dump him. Dump him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is the moral of the story. Dump him. Dump him. Um, And, you know, when life doesn't work out how you thought it would, um, pour yourself into helping others. And if those others are 40 macaws in Nevada, (laughs) so be it. So be it, babe. (laughs) Anything else to add? No, I mean, the only thing that I would add is that also um, sex work is just that. It's work. It is. It's you know, work. I'm so tired. It's of, a business. So tired of people trying to act like it's like some anything. like big scandalous or like it's like empowering, like more so empowering than any other job. Or like you know, it's like there's always some frame of thinking either to support it or to not support it. And like it's, it's just, just work. work. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a job. It's just a job. And sometimes it's a very like high paying and um, rewarding job. But like. It's still just it's a job. still just a job. And yeah. like she said, it was grueling work. She exactly. like had a, a bunch of payoff during like the the good years of it. But like it wasn't ever easy money. No. Um, and I appreciate her saying that. I also appreciate her being like, and I don't regret it because I had the best fucking time. Mm. Like that's kind of iconic of her. Yeah. Um, and I do appreciate that she was a call girl herself for a while. And like. Um, a lot of people that worked with her as call girls for her are interviewed in this documentary. And um, a lot of them had shitty experiences with Yvonne, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't like they have pretty 
good things to say about Heidi, other than that they just think she flew too close to the sun and was, yeah. like, a little bit reckless and stupid. Yeah. Um, But, like, as a madam, you know, she, like, she never sent the girls to do anything she didn't do or wouldn't do. Yeah. Um. So, anyway, that's that. And thank you for taking us on that journey. (laughs) Yeah, no worries. I, um, yeah, I'm obsessed. But, you know, if there's anything to learn from that, it's have a better judge of character, be discerning about who you let in close. And I'm, you know, I'm sure she's made it this far because she's been testing her holes Holes and her drugs. drugs. So you should do both. (laughs) So test your holes, holes, test test your your drugs, drugs, and and kiss kiss your your friends friends on the mouth. mouth.